back to the show, episode number 34 of the Daily Blend Show. This is the weekly rundown segment where we feature stories that are notable or significant across business and technology. This week, we've got a couple of really great uh, stories uh, to discuss. The first is talking about the uh, divestiture or potential divestiture of Reebok from the Adidas Group, sending billionaires to space, uh, digital platforms for athletes, Gap, and of all things, Kanye West, Soho House wants to go public, how to maximize your time in the morning, and if this is a weekly rundown, you know we're going to talk about Peloton. As always, you can get this show and all other previous episodes on such great platforms as Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. You can also find us on dailyblend.com and YouTube. Don't forget to hit that subscribe, like, follow uh, us on social media, and uh, generally stock the heck out of us uh, and the show. Uh, we appreciate that. Anyway, uh, enough with that said, let's jump into the stories. So it was long rumored that the Adidas group was going to be trying to carve out uh, Reebok from their portfolio. It was an acquisition they made a few years back, and it really hasn't lived up to the billings. Um, More recently, the Authentic Group, which uh, we talked about last week, uh, they own Forever 21, Brooks Brothers, Nine West, etc., had been considering offering an acquisition um, or, or acquiring uh, Reebok, rather, and has passed. And this is, you know, I wouldn't call it a massive blow, but there's clearly some challenges uh, with those that are interested in buying, uh, you know, the uh, the old school legacy brand. And, you know, I don't know the fundamentals of Reebok. I haven't looked at the uh, the public statements there, but it is interesting from a branding perspective, right? They have, you know, silhouettes that are timeless, and you could uh, do kind of what Nike's done, which is release retros and kind of build up the retro market. But where Reebok has really struggled is uh, is cementing their brand identity. You know, when I think about Nike, I think about, like, innovation, forward-thinking, when I think of Adidas, I think of, you know, the core brand is, is you know, very legacy, uh, kind of old school. Um, and when I think about, like, where Adidas is headed with Yeezy was, was really forward thinking. And when I think about Under Armour, it's kind of like, um, you know, that, that sort of differentiator or different brand that's kind of, I'm going to do it my way. And when I think about Reebok, it really, like, what is their brand, right? You've got some old school silhouettes. But you don't necessarily have, you know, a sport or a set of athletes that uh, you kind of identify with. You know, Nike for me is, you know, soccer, uh, baseball, uh, football, uh, you know, basketball, certainly. Adidas is, is obviously soccer. Uh, but what is Reebok? They've tried to jump into the, um, you know, CrossFit sports, and, and that's kind of gone subpar for them. I mean, I don't think it's going bad, but I don't think they are the end-all, be-all. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who ends up buying Reebok and how long, you know, the terms of service will be. You know, there's likely going to be some supply chain logistics challenges with carving them out. There will likely be, um, you know, some some various, uh, you know, other challenges with talent and, um, you know, the overall sort of um, 
decoupling of these two entities will be uh, an interesting feat, to say the least, but excited to see what uh, comes ahead. The next story is talking about uh, from records to rockets, or at least that was the headline that I gave. And it was it was pretty amazing, right, that Richard uh, Branson and, and his team were able to launch the first um, commercial uh, trip into space via the uh, Virgin Galactic Unit 22 spacecraft. And, you know, I, I certainly think it's it's pretty uh, amazing what Richard's done. You know, if you've listened to any of his, like, podcasts or interviews, you know, he's a serial entrepreneur with just a thirst for life. And the fact that we've gone from 150 years ago, roughly, when the Wright brothers first sent people into the air to now going into space, you know, I'm really excited for all the innovation and competitiveness that's going to come. So you've got... Uh, Jeff Bezos, you've got Elon Musk, and you've got Richard Bronson, who are all billionaires trying to, you know, get into space in different fashions and manners. But it's really what's going to come out of all this effort, right? And I think back to, like, great inventions that came out of the space race, like Velcro, memory foam, freeze-dried food, you know, emergency space blankets, dustbusters you know the 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 list goes on and i I think you know the fact that you've got two billionaires who are kind of taking stabs at each other you know there's undoubtedly going to be some significant innovation that comes out of this either through getting more you know billionaires and and hopefully some millionaires into space but also just commercial travel at large so uh what i did is i i posted the um full two-hour video which has Stephen Colbert kind of narrating it and it's pretty fantastic Um, and you can uh, watch that and really enjoy someone who loves life and and kind of watch and listen and experience what they experienced as they went into space. So the third story comes up on the announcement that the Soho House is considering going public and I wanted to highlight this because there's some interesting you know, components to this deal or observed deal that, that I found fascinating. The first is the fact that, uh, you know, they, they're, they're rumored to be trying to, you know, get to about a $3 billion price tag, which seems somewhat uh, high. When I last counted, there were roughly 25, 27 clubs. Um, what they do have going for them is their club membership stayed extremely strong uh, during COVID, which, you know, I wonder if some of the clubs stayed open or I wonder if folks were afraid that they would uh, lose their uh, spot, uh, you know, on the other side of COVID and the price tag was not that expensive. So they just hung on. But uh, I'm not a member, so I'm not sure there. But uh, when you're looking at it from a financial standpoint, you know, if you've ever been to a Soho house, you know, it's a really cool, interesting, dynamic environment. Um you know, I feel like every time I walk in there, something great's going to happen. I'm going to meet someone and have a fantastic conversation. Now, what from an investor standpoint, you know, do you want to invest or, or be investing in cool? And the only sort of benchmark I can think of, or the two benchmarks, I guess, I could think of, uh, one is, um, you know, Club Corp, and the other is sort of WeWork. Now, Club Corp, I think of it more in terms of uh, a bunch of country clubs that they, you know, took uh, public and are managing there. And and that's obviously much more on, like, the suburban uh, environment. But uh, from a, you know, and the WeWork hasn't actually gone public. 
but I, I think of like you know the Soho House. It's it's like a combination of these two things, right? You've got this like cool, uh, exclusive sort of country club feel or urban country club, and then you kind of have the look and feel of like a WeWork modern facility. And you know what's the goal, right? Is it to continue to grow? Uh, and how do you do that? You probably take on some debt before uh, going public to, to do some expansion. You also use some of the, uh, you know, the, the money, um, you know, gain from going public to continue your growth. But then, like, what's the next step, right? Is it just to continue to run it as a separate business? Or is it to look to be acquired by, you know, say, a hotel chain? Um, and, you know, there are only a few probably out there that are, are interested in buying them, you know, Hilton, Marriott, um, and there's probably one or two others. Um, but uh, it will be curious to see what happens with the Soho House. You know, if they do go public or if they do get acquired, how will that change their market position? Um, how will that change kind of how they, they um, interview, obtain, and vet, uh, you know, new members? Uh, but it's, you know, it's just interesting for a private club to to want to go public. It'll be, uh, it'll be uh, a, a good one to follow. So our fourth story is about how to win the morning. And, uh, you know, it's all about starting your day uh, and not letting the way you start your day hold you back. And this article uh, was written by uh, Brandon Fluharty, uh, and he shares his process that uh, helped him uh, integrate more seamlessly with work-life balance and helped him improve his overall well-being and close millions of dollars uh, in his job and why this matters. So, uh, you know, I got to know Brandon uh, years ago while working for him actually in New York City, and uh, we both moved on uh, with our careers and lost touch. And thankfully, through the power of social media, and in this case, LinkedIn, I was able to reconnect uh, with him probably a year or two ago. And, uh, you know, I saw a couple articles that he's been posting, and I read this one because I always think if you win the morning, you win the day. And, you know, I've got my process, but it, I know it can be refined. And I thought he did a really nice job of kind of talking through the tools and tactics he uses to win the morning and ultimately win the day. Um, what I particularly liked is how he talked about, you know, how he does not only his, his scheduling and blocking, um, but what he does for planning and how he looks for, like, the pacings of the day and where there's going to be, you know, good and bad energy levels. He also did a nice job of linking to other articles he's sort of written on time management and efficiencies and very much linked to all the tools that he uses throughout this process. So definitely go back to uh, the, the website uh, and have a look. Uh, I've linked to his LinkedIn profile as well as uh, the article he wrote. And I think you're going to you know have some you know, fantastic takeaways uh, that uh, he's, uh, you know, thought through. And I think you're going to improve the way that you win the morning. So last week, we talked about the fact that college sports uh, or college athletes were going to get paid for the first time. And, uh, you know, I, I thought this was a fantastic thing for so many athletes who deserve to get uh, paid for uh, their rights. And, uh, you know, I was I was trying to find a platform uh, for last week's episode, and I just couldn't. And I finally stumbled upon um, Icon Sources, and the uh, the founder really talks about um, you know what's important here and how to uh, act as a broker uh, to these athletes. 
And uh, I thought it was really interesting that he had already built this platform out. I'm sure, you know, it, you know, the, the intent was for, uh, you know, pro athletes, but obviously now can open up to college athletes. But if you are a college athlete and you are trying to maximize, you know, your uh, dollars in the door, you know, a platform like Icon uh, is a great place to start. Uh, I'll be curious if you see other, uh, you know, uh, competing offerings coming into the marketplace. One would assume a lot of the, you know, agencies might look to dip down and uh, either buy companies that were playing in this space or bring their own products and markets. Uh, you know, just because it, it, it is going to be a bit of a volume play. You know, I think you've got so many new athletes that are going to enter. You know, the um, stratosphere uh, through Division One, Two, and Three, and not all need an agent. Right, they're just not going to command a- enough, um, you know, outputs and dollars in the door that an agent's going to want to work with them, and so, you know, it will be cool to see how these platforms evolve. I- I'm going to keep my eye on Icon and see, you know, what are some of the additional uh, capabilities they bring to bear over time, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, get a chance to, uh, you know, connect with uh, Chase Garrett, the founder here pretty soon and talk to him about kind of the vision for the platform. The next story comes in on Gap and Kanye West. And if you haven't seen this blue puffer jacket that uh, Kanye and the Gap put out, it's pretty fantastic. I argue that it looks like a trash bag, but I am not, uh, you know, a cool street fashion person anymore. So, you know, what do I know? And what I think is interesting is that, you know, a few articles have been written about the fact that the relationship has been around or announced for roughly a year and all you've seen is one jacket. But when you think about, you know, the relationship Kanye's had with Adidas and it actually took a little bit of time to bring that first you know, high top to market. And actually that high top was built pretty poorly. And then, you know, the the following uh, V2s and V3s really took off. You know, they've only been in a relationship for a year. And when you think about like getting your design and supply chain logistics based on those designs out the door and the associated marketing campaign, a year, year and a half, two years doesn't seem that crazy, especially when you think about a 10 year run. But I will be curious how, you know, the gap is going to transform or pivot off of Kanye, and one would assume that this is their tactic, um, to kind of bring back the cool factor to the brand. And uh, as someone who just likes sneakers a whole lot, uh, it will be curious what Kanye does on the sneaker front and then just overall with with the gap in his clothing line uh, to, you know, kind of hopefully match the dollars in the door he's brought to Adidas. So just a fun story to kind of track and see, you know, nothing uh, too crazy there from uh, Kanye or The Gap. Uh, but, man, that jacket is uh, something of legend. So the last story is coming in from Peloton. You know, if it's a, it's a week around here on the weekly rundown, you know there's probably going to be a story on Peloton. So this one is on John Foley, and this one comes from the Gentleman's uh, Journal. Uh, if you go to our site, we've actually linked to the original post that has, you know, the full kind of article details. Also, a really nice audio that uh, walks through the, uh, you know, the Q&A session with John. But I, I thought there was five things that he highlighted in the article about, you know, what he does or did to be successful. But the, the fifth one really stuck out to me. 
And he says, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Just get stuff done every day. It's not perfect. Fix it the next day, but keep putting points on the board every day. And that's sort of the uh, mentality that I live with my life. And I love that quote. It's like, you know what? You're not going to be perfect. Just keep on going. Get feedback in the door from folks and, and keep you know, the ball moving. And, uh, you know, I, I highly recommend having a listen to John's, uh, you know, podcast. Uh, you know, I really liked reading about him and his background and kind of like a humble beginnings and, and realizing there was some, you know, deficiencies or gaps in his toolkit and how he addressed those and how he came about, you know, finding, you know, the vision for the brand, thanks to his wife having a hard time getting into, uh, you know, a, uh, a, you know, in-person uh, studio. So um, have a listen and enjoy. So that wraps up this week's episode of the Daily Blend Show Weekly Rundown. Um, As always, you can get this show and all other previous episodes on such great platforms as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, You can check us out on Daily Blend. You can find me daily at daily R-E-D-D-A-I-L-E-Y on Twitter and Instagram. And with that said, enjoy the rest of your day.